What the fuck is up, everybody? It has been a long, long time, but Ryan and Connor are back with another episode of the podcast of Brotherly Love, better known as Ninja Bands and Three Cone on the Bird app. I'm Ryan, joined with Connor, and we are going to start our long, long list of off-season things we want to talk about today. What we're going to start with today is more so of a recap. So I know a lot of you guys wanted to hear about our thoughts on the offseason and some things about some specific teams. We're probably not going to get too much into that today because we're going to dedicate an episode to every team for the most part down the stretch. So we'll get way into more specific things later. But this is going to be more of a general consensus of what we thought went on and how we thought everything went in the bubble and the regular season and the postseason. So, Connor, how are you doing today, my dude? Uh, I'm good. I couldn't figure out how to unmute my mic for a second. Uh, also, heads up to the viewers, I'm trying to a new mic right now, so everything should sound all right. If there's any like random noises, I apologize, but it should be good. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing good. Miss basketball a lot, of course, and I'm excited to get back to this now that our schedules are kind of chilling out and now that there's no basketball to watch, so might as well talk about something, but I'm doing good. Yeah, I just finished getting pretty penetrated by some exams, so now that that's over with, thankfully, we're going to start talking some basketball. So we're going to start with, I guess, one out of the 30 fan bases will probably appreciate this talk, but we're just going to talk about the Lakers because, you know, they won the whole thing, so it'd be a crime not to talk about them. Uh, they were, well, they have second best record in the regular season behind the Bucks. Yeah, second best. And then, obviously, they won it all. So, Connor, want to give us your, like, first thoughts, overall, viewpoints, stuff like that? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, first off, I want to say that I, the entire time, knew that LeBron was still the best player in the league. And anyone who said otherwise was a moron. Um, but LeBron's just the best in the league. The Lakers were the best team in the bubble. There's arguments about that they face the Heat instead of, like, the Bucks or the Celtics or the Raptors or something, but the Heat were the team that beat all of those guys. So you have to commend the Heat for getting there, and the Lakers had to play who they had to play. So uh, their run was really, really impressive. They just dominated teams a lot of the time. Uh, the, like, the Rockets didn't look like a threat at all. The Blazers, other than Game 1, really didn't look like a threat. The Nuggets took that one game and also didn't look like a threat. Uh, Clippers didn't just, even get a chance to be a threat. Yeah, cl- yeah Clippers, Clippers <laughs> didn't even get a chance. Um, I also want to say the whole time I was always... And I, I I swear I tweeted it, but I can't find it. There was something throughout the season that just felt off about the Clippers. Like, I don't know what it was, but I never felt like they were as good as like people said they were. So I think we talked. I, I think we talked about this. We said that on paper they were just so talented and like there's no reason they shouldn't have been the best team and like should have been dominating teams night in and night out. But just something went wrong, obviously. And I guess in their opinion, it was Doc Rivers, and now he's coaching my Sixers. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he wasn't the issue, and he's actually a uh, solution. No, my personal thought is that, and I don't want to stick in the Clippers too long because it's about the Lakers, but that. They just, I don't know, we can talk about this more when we do like our preview of the Clippers later in the offseason, but they just, they felt like they acted, they were acting like they had already won the whole thing uh, when they hadn't like accomplished much other than really Kawhi. No one on that team's accomplished much. So it felt like they were all acting like they had been there before when they hadn't been there before. So anyways, back to the Lakers. Uh, 
I talked about LeBron, best player in the world. He was incredible. Uh, fourth final MVP, absolutely deserved it. I don't even think it was a conversation. Some people can say it was rigged for him, but even though AD was a monster, and I don't know if he established himself. I I go back and forth on AD on if he is a top five player or not. I feel like he's like that five, six range, but he established himself as one of those top five, six players in the league. Like a lot of people thought he was, but now he has the playoff success to add to that resume. And really just, they were the best team throughout the postseason and throughout the bubble, except when the Thunder blew them out, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> I think one thing that's kind of uh, underrated, or I guess not underrated, but like just not really talked about is Frank Vogel too, because there's a big um, complaint by many Lakers fans about Luke Walton, who now coaches Sacramento Kings. And Connor, I know Connor feels very strongly that Luke Walton's the worst coach in the NBA. Oh, yeah, now. Luke, Luke Walton. Now that Jim Boylan's gone, Walton he sucks, thinks yeah. Luke. But, um, oh, yeah. I think that was one thing that kind of flew under the radar is that, like, they made a lot of um, decisions on the fly, of, like adjusting their rotations and changing their lineups. Like, they had a, like, they won the, the finals, but their game seven or game six lineup was not their game one lineup in the first round and so on and so forth. They had Caruso, so they had Bradley starting all season, and then he didn't come into the bubble. So then they switched it up a little bit and had Braun running the point, and then Rondo came back. And so then Rondo plays really badly one game, and Lakers fans are like, oh, fuck Rondo. He shouldn't be getting any minutes. And then Vogel stuck with them, and he's arguably, I would say, their third best player in the playoffs behind AD and LeBron. Yeah. But, but, and then same thing with the JaVale, Dwight Howard. JaVale wasn't getting the job done, so they switched Dwight Howard in there. And then Bam went down, so there really wasn't the need for Dwight in the lineup. So they moved Caruso to play the point, and that clearly worked because the Heat, their biggest threat was their perimeter offense. So. I, I don't know. I think Frank Vogel made a lot of adjustments for that team, and I think that's one reason that it could have put them ahead of the Clippers because there's a big complaint by Clippers fans that Doc Rivers just wasn't making adjustments, which I feel like that might be tough when you have, like you had Harrell all season, like being that big energy guy, and then he's not with the team in the bubble for most of it, and then he comes back and just does not look like himself. Clearly showing that Dennis Schroeder should have been sixth man of the year, but oh yeah, we'll get to <laughs> that's, that. <laughs> that's besides the point, but... Yeah, so I think Doc just tried sticking what worked with them, which was relying on their stars. And if their big energy guys weren't contributing, they like if Lou Will was struggling or Harold was struggling, they weren't going to change anything up. Like if I remember correctly, I think Zubac had the best net rating out of any player on that team, and he was still constantly getting, um, oh my god, not getting minutes. So. Yeah, no, that that pissed me off. We can talk about that later too. That adjustment that was terrible. Yeah, um, but, we'll see. but I think that's kind of what separated the Lakers. I think coaching, I think you could talk about LeBron and AD. Like you have two top five or six players. Like clearly you're going to be a good ass team with a bunch of veteran role players that have been there before. Um, but when you have a coach that can like recognize issues and like make adjustments on the fly, that's definitely going to set you apart just from like talent. Because a lot of people talk about how LeBron is like always the coach of the team. Like Ty Lue didn't do anything or even some people complain on the heat. It was like coach LeBron, whatever, what he wanted when, but like, you could definitely tell that like the Lakers were definitely like a soundly coached team. And I think that definitely helped them out. Yeah. I mean, in that blowout game six to close out the series, Alex Caruso getting inserted into the starting lineup for the first time, that final series is a league or not league. Sorry. Uh, team best plus 20 in 33 minutes that he played. So he was incredible for them. Even though he shot badly from the field, his perimeter defense was what they really needed because the Heat were the Heat are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Duncan Robinson just went insane the game before. I think he had like 26. And then the next game, he shoots three for eight. Three for seven from three, which isn't bad, but 
just denying him those touches and making him a non-factor was a huge part of why they blew out the heat in that game six. Uh, and Alex Caruso, as much as he's a meme, he deserves a lot of credit for that because he really was an impactful player for them. So, yeah, shout out to Frank Vogel. Shout out to other teams like like the Nuggets. We talked about the Clippers a lot, but the Nuggets deserve a ton of praise for two, three, one series comebacks. Uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray balled out. Uh, Jokic proved to everyone that he's really, really good. Uh, and I'm excited to see where they go in the future. They're going to be a really fun team for a while. They're easily one of the best setup teams in the league in terms of success both now and in the future with young assets. They, they have a ton of different ways they could go. They might be, them along with the Thunder are probably two of the most like most option, like the teams with the most options for the future, how they can go, where they can, the Nuggets could flip some of their own talent for like a star now, pair it with Jamal and Jokic and go for a title like right now. They could let the young talent grow a little bit with them, like let Bull Bull and MPJ kind of grow with that. Um, they could even make a couple small moves to fill in some holes. Uh, Jeremy Grant's a free agent for them. It'll be interesting to see if he comes back because he was a huge part of their playoff run. So they're really one of the most inter- interesting teams in the league, in my opinion. And we'll talk about them more later uh, with all those options. But I just want to give a shout out to them because I've seen a ton of people already forget about them. And I feel like that should not be forgotten how great their run was. So before we move on to like the bubble as a whole, I kind of want to give a shout out to the Miami Heat as well. Like I know it sounds like we're sucking off the West and especially the Lakers, but the Miami Heat really, they do deserve a lot of credit because nobody thought they were going to be there. I didn't think they were going to be there. No one thought they were going to be there when Jimmy Butler signed there last offseason. So I got to give them some credit. And Jimmy really, he had such a fucking run, man. He was, it was kind of bittersweet, like I said, because, you know, he should have been in Philly doing this for us. But I was happy for him and, you know, big fuck you to the front office for letting him walk and not doing everything it takes to to keep him, especially after seeing that Brett Brown was trying to get the players on his side because he didn't want to coach Jimmy because he thought he was a distraction and like because he was more outspoken that he was a bad teammate. And I don't know that that stuff just really made me mad. So I was actually like you think I'd be pissed off as a Sixers fan seeing this or upset, but like I was happy for him. I'm glad they made it. And I was definitely rooting for the heat, but they fell a little short. And some of the other guys, too, like Bam and Tyler Hero and Drogic, like a lot of them earn my respect, and some of them are honestly some of my favorite players to watch right now. So shout out to the Heat, and we're going to talk about the bubble as a whole now now more so than just like individual performances because like Connor mentioned, we're going to talk about the teams like really specifically once we do our like dive and breakdown for each team's offseason. But Can I give I wanna... one quick shout out real quick? Yeah, go for it. Okay, all right. Uh, I just want to say, so like before the, uh, so also on the, <clears throat> apologies also with the heat uh before the playoffs we did an episode and i said that the heat could or we did like a playoff like series prediction thing and i said like the success of the heat they were either a team that could get bounced in the first round or could make it to like the conference finals finals type thing but that would entirely depend on the play of their young guys which the way the way twitter talks about tyler hero bam Adebayo, and duncan robinson all now was clearly amazing uh so, yeah, shout out to those three guys. But anyways, yeah, it's a subtle flex saying that you you half called that they were going to make it that I far. Mean, so. I mean, I have <laughs> to give myself some credit because I, I partially predicted them to get knocked out in the second round. But whatever. Speaking of things that uh, worked out, let's talk about the bubble. Just because I think I know, Connor, I know you've tweeted about this probably like five or six times. But like you, I know you really are impressed with like how they handled this and how the cases were basically non-existent before 
Uh, I know there are a couple like before they got into the bubble, but once the players were in the bubble, there's no cases, not even a scare, really. I mean, other than when Danwell House brought in, you know, a secret lady oh, in, into the premises or Rashawn oh, Holmes. Well. Rashawn Holmes stepped over the line to get his uh, Postmates, but Dude, uh, that was that was so funny. Who was it? Like, was it? It wasn't Kuzma. Was it? I think it was someone on the Suns. Someone. It was I think Kelly, it was someone Kelly, on the Kelly, Sun. Kelly, Kelly Oubre. Said, thank he you. said the way to get around this food was just to order some Postmates, and then Rashawn Holmes like did it, and then he went over the line, <laughs> the and then next... Kelly Kelly Oubre tweeted out, "Never mind, lol." <laughs> yeah, the the next day. Oh God, I love that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna actually talk about some like of our favorite moments from the season in just a little bit. But uh, before we get to that, let's talk about the bubble. So I know, like I said, you were talking about it on Twitter. So give me your uh, little two cents about it, like how you feel and happy with it. What do you think? I was really happy with it. Uh, I don't know about a lot of I know a lot of people were saying stuff like, oh, this doesn't feel like real basketball. Like, shut up. Um, I really enjoyed it as someone who uh, whose life somewhat revolves around basketball. It was it was really nice to watch. And I was optimistic about it going into it. So I'm glad to see that that was not ill-intentioned or that I was an idiot for thinking that it was going to go well. Shout out to everyone uh, with the league, especially Adam Silver, uh, Chris Paul, my point guard, leading the uh, NBA PA uh, and making it happen. Um, All the players for being disciplined, except Dan Wilhouse, fuck you. Um, And yeah, just really everyone who... Like all the players for staying in the bubble, all the reporters who stayed in the bubble for months on end without family members to make sure that we got our daily dose of hoops, uh, all the workers. I think they said there was like 300 or so workers that were like, or it might have been more than that, but it was like somewhere around there, like 300 to 500 type uh, workers who worked like around the clock to make sure that everything, like they got food, that everything was clean, like media members, stuff like that. So Shout out to literally everyone who made the bubble happen. And like it, in my opinion, it was one of like the greatest feats of like outside the play of the actual game. One of the greatest like sporting feats we've ever seen. Uh, putting all these people into a bubble and making it work from 10 regular se- or like practice games and scrimmages to 10 uh, like 10 regular season games through the playoffs and not a single player testing positive. No stoppages because of COVID. That's like... That's amazing. Like even if, even though I was optimistic, I still thought we might see like a couple cases like here and there or something like that. But n- to have not a single one is ridiculous. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to um, I don't know if you, I don't think you mentioned this, but I'm sure you would agree with this. But shout out to the players too for the uh, social justice movements too, especially um, when the I think it was the Bucks and the I think it was the, I think the Raptors made the first like initiative towards it, but then the Bucks actually didn't play because of. Uh, the events that went on, they wanted to make sure before playing basketball that everything was getting handled. So shout out to the players too for because that was one of their big things is they want to come play basketball and they want to not put their lives on the line, but you know like sacrifice a lot to entertain us and finish the season. So shout out to them for you know having that priority straight and trying to make a difference in the world. So I'm sure you would have thought about that too, but oh yeah, no the like I'm I was I was also happy to see that. A majority of people on Twitter were happy to see them making the, like there were a couple people who were, which is going to happen. But I was happy to see that a majority of the people I agree with you, uh, in that they agree with us, that uh, like it was a worthy moment to stop the game and that people were supporting what the players decided. I think the league did a good job of pushing the Black Lives Matter movement and pushing these social issues to the forefront. 
the jersey messages were a cool thing having it on the court and stuff um because whether or not people like whether or not people liked it or not people were talking about it it was getting discussion going and i feel like that's probably the most important thing of this bubble was to find that balance between coming to play basketball and still pushing this message in a really critical time so yeah because i remember we were like pretty nervous that after all the things went down in may and june that like this whole bubble idea came out and we're like oh shit this is gonna be awesome and then everything went down and we're like oh shit now they might not want to play and then they found a good compromise between the two so shout out to them for finding that and um one thing i kind of want to talk about is i don't remember who brought this up so i apologize if you're listening and i'm not shouting you out but somebody asked us to talk about like the neutral site like aspect of the bubble and my like comment is obviously like the players probably miss the energy of the fans but in terms of like the competition and stuff. I think, like, obviously, like, if you did better in the regular season, like, you deserve to play at your home arena, have your fans screaming and booing at the other players. But, like, I really think it kind of showed, like, who's actually the better basketball team. Like, not, like, who's playing better because they're playing at their own arena. Like, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but, like, like when the Bucks and Heat were playing and, like, the Heat were beating them, what, what would have been Bucks home games? And people were like, oh, the only reason the Heat are doing this is because they're not playing in Milwaukee, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like... If you're playing neutral site and the players are all healthy and they're all playing, like it's you're just playing like it's who's better. It's not like who's got the home field advantage. So I know like maybe not so much in basketball, but I know a lot in baseball too. Like sorry to get off topic, but like when the Yankees and Astros played each other a while back, like they it, the series went to seven games. The Astros won all four games at home. The Yankees won all three games at home, and the series the Astros won the series. So it's just like I don't know, just something like that, like. You shouldn't. The wins shouldn't be determined by like, like who's home and who's away. It should be like who's actually the better team. So personally, I didn't mind the neutral sites. I did really miss the fans, especially because there were so many crazy moments. I think the fans would have loved. Like, imagine the Suns in Phoenix after they won their eighth game in a row. Those fans have been going nuts because that was the most winning basketball they've probably ever experienced. And just so many other good plays, like the Donovan Mitchell Jamal Murray battle stuff like that. Like that, those kind of moments. I really wish we had fans, but. If anything, it brought out the players and the benches because someone had to supply the emotion if the fans were. I think that was kind of a plus for that. Yeah, and I feel like the vir- even though it wasn't, it's nowhere near the same as real fans, I thought the virtual fan concept was really well implemented. Like, they would, like, pan to fans' reactions sometimes. Um, it was cool to see those, like, prominent figures in the stands. Like, I think at one of the finals games, Obama was there. Um like Shaq was at one, like you saw some legends of certain teams who might not have otherwise been there at the game. So I thought that was a cool aspect of it. Um, obviously, I would op- prefer real life fans uh, in the future, but that was I think that was a cool taste of it. And I think it, they did a good job of finding there to be some way to kind of make it like a home court advantage type thing. Nothing's going to compare to like the geographical advantage of being where you're from, which may have played into Miami's favor a little bit being in Florida. But um uh, yeah, I get what you're saying with all with the um, the fact that it was like teams having to prove which team was better as opposed to just playing at their home court and winning because, oh, you're playing in Denver. And so you're super high up and like it's a little bit of an advantage like that was cool to see. Um, so I wish there was something that they could have done for like if a team won more games, like what kind of advantage they could have given them, because I feel like they did earn that advantage while playing throughout the season. But at the same time, I don't think in the end it would have impacted that much. Um, uh, maybe the Bucks would have taken out the Heat, but with Giannis's injury, I think it was the Heat series. So, um, yeah, but like you said, I think the bubble went really well. Yeah, and it's like one more comment on that. I think 
the Heat Bucks matchup in particular, I just think the Bucks had like very little weaknesses, but their main weakness was the Heat strength, which was perimeter shooting. So I think that like that's why I think everyone was like very non hesitant to like count the Heat in in that series, and like that's why the Bucks are almost underdogs to an extent, just because the Heat play the type of basketball the Bucks were bad at defending. And speaking of coaches that can't make adjustments, uh, shout out Mike Budenholzer for being one of said coaches. But um, yeah, if we don't have anything else, do you have anything else to say on the bubble before we move on? Like the bubble in particular? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we covered pretty much everything. Like all the specific team stuff we can get into yeah. more when we do their episodes. So not nothing in particular, I don't think. All right, so we're going to move on from the bubble and do more, like I said, general things. So we're going to talk about some, like, forgettable moments from the season. Uh, shout out Nick Hankel, who was a guest on here um, a couple episodes ago. Good friend of both of ours. Good man also. You should find his find and listen to his podcast, too, if you get a chance. But so Connor and I have a couple listed here. We're definitely going to be missing some because, like Nick said in his, like, tweet, it was like the season was so long. There are probably things that, like, happened, like, not in the bubble or even in the bubble that we just forgot about because of how long it lasted. So we're going to go through a couple of them and just, you know, reminisce and slap on them. If we think of any more on the fly, we'll talk about them. But I'm going to start with uh, one of my favorites, which is uh, Ben Simmons' three. What do you have to think? What do you think about that, Connor? If I remember correctly, we were playing an intramural basketball game when that happened. and We were. We I, were playing an intramural basketball game. It was halftime. And, or we were about to start playing one, and it was halftime, and I checked my phone, and Twitter was going crazy because Ben Simmons hit a three. It was against the Knicks, I think, right? Yeah, it was. That's yeah, so funny. I totally three. forgot we were playing a basketball game. Yeah, because I remember I – remember no, Wait, no. I think I – no. I, hold on. I remember I tweeted. I said, who's going to hit more threes this game, me or Ben Simmons? And I think I actually <laughs> hit a couple of threes in our uh, intramural game. But the fact that Ben Simmons actually hit one and there was a chance of him getting yeah, one. Yeah, the fact that you could have hit zero and he actually would have hit one and beaten you was crazy. Yeah, I remember people commenting on that tweet about it. That's so funny. What's one that, what's one that you uh, wrote down that you want to talk about? I think I know which one you want to talk about first. Uh, yeah, I want to start with um, John Beeline, uh, former Cavs coach, no longer Cavs coach. And, very uh, short tenure. Yeah, very short tenure. I want to talk about him. Meaning to call the Cavaliers players slugs and calling them all thugs and then losing the entire locker room, which I thought was the funniest thing ever. The fact that, first of all, the fact that he wanted to even call them slugs in the first place was so dumb. Such like, a boomer saying. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. And then to call them thugs, which is like something that's just not okay to really say. And he he was like, oh my God. <laughs> but then his explanation is like, oh my God, I meant to call them slugs, which I doubt any of the players bought at first. Um, and the fact that he didn't even realize he did it, and he had to find out from like media reports that players were upset. I don't and know. it wasn't even like the players heard it. It was like his actual assistant coaches were like, "What the fuck did he just say, thugs?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a, there's good reason between the lack of team success and the whole slugs thing why John Beeline is no longer the coach of the Cavaliers. So <laughs> another good one that uh, I didn't even remember until I was going through my bookmarks the other day it was uh, Eric Bledsoe running out of bounds or running inbounds from out of bounds without dribbling it in. I just think of all people who do that. that. It would totally be Eric Bledsoe. So the fact that this man did it, I thought that was so funny. It's it's weird how these guys can be the best basketball players in the world, have put count like ten, probably tens of thousands of hours into this game, and still do things like that. Like, do you remember the play like last year or a couple years? I think it was a couple years ago when J.R. Smith dapped up someone on the sideline. I think he dapped up Jason Terry on the Celtic sideline, and he was just out of the play. And like, or he was like, like the play was going on and he dapped him up mid game and they just scored. And everyone's like, JR, what the hell are you doing? 
or, or like, or like West, when, I was to say Westbrook didn't he just walk the ball up the court and he was like I just traveled yeah. and he just dropped the ball yeah. and walked up he got the, he got the inbound and he just started walking up the court and they called a travel on him because obviously you can't do that and then they asked him like what are you doing and he was like I don't know <laughs> I think I'll let you talk about this one because this is one of the next ones on our list but the uh the Chris Paul jersey scandal or should I say Chris six nine Paul the uh, the snitch on Jordan <laughs> Bell if you want to talk about Man. that. Yeah, so this is one. This is really what turned our season around. Um, so if y'all don't know, Chris Paul or Cat was at the line for a free throw, and um, he, uh, so his jer- so Jordan Bell's jersey was coming to the game, but his jersey was untucked, which you can't have. So he, it was a violation or it was a delay of game penalty, which gave us a free throw to put us within two or put us within one. Cat hits his second free throw, and then Stephen Adams throws a full court pass to Dennis Schroeder to tie it and send it into overtime. So we end up winning that game, and that was like what spurred us to have like the season we ended up having. That was like the turning point, and the fact that it was Chris Paul snitching on Jordan Bell and having his jersey untucked is why I love that man as my point guard. And it's kind of funny too because I think that was right around the time when the Timberwolves tweeted out like you know the SpongeBob meme where he like was put his hands on the side and looked like a chicken or whatever and he said like the Timberwolves are going to be bad this season. I'm pretty sure that was also their trip. <laughs> <laughs> that was also oh, yeah. their term. Yeah, Timberwolves are going to be. Yeah, I was like because they were saying the Timberwolves are going to be bad this season, like to mock people that were saying that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that was right around the same time too. Yeah, it was like 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 you. It was the Carl Anthony Towns picture that everyone then memed. Oh, it was so yeah. Good. Uh, I think while we're on the Timberwolves, uh, gotta talk about uh, Carl Anthony Towns and the Sixers fighting. Uh, <laughs> it's it was just so funny because I don't even I'm trying to. Do you remember what happened with the fight? I know him and Embiid were Embiid just like shit talking every big man. But do you remember exactly what spurred the fight in the first place? I don't remember off the top of my head. If I remember correctly, they had didn't they have like so it was. I remember they started throwing punches and then Joel and then like Ben Simmons put Cat in a headlock. Yeah, but yeah, but what and made them start throwing punches? Is I, I don't. Rem- I think it was. I think it was just like a chippy play, like, or I think there was like a yeah. foul under the basket or something that led to that. Did someone? Did somebody throw? Did somebody throw the ball? I think Embiid might have thrown the ball at Cat or something. That sounds like something Embiid might have done. Uh, so maybe it was that. I'm trying to remember now. Mm, Man, we sound hella like casual right now, but I don't remember. It was no, still- no, I can pick. I can picture him in the headlock, like oh, in my head, because yeah. um, I remember that's a that's a meme that people started using. Um, but I don't know why that's right. Do you remember like uh, I think I can't remember if it was this year or a couple years ago when um, <laughs> there was a fight and people and someone ran on the court to stop it and people thought it was Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> well, that might have been the cat. That might have been this fight actually. I think it was this fight. Oh shoot! It might have actually been this fight. Man, everything's no, connecting. Um, was oh no 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 okay so i looked up there's just they're just like away from the play there was like oh i oh i think i remember didn't they get like tangled up like they both started running down the court and they were like shoving each other and then they just came to blows i, I think, think it was, okay. i believe i don't, it was think, that. I don't think Embiid, i don't think Embiid ever threw a punch though because then Embiid walk away from the play and that's when simmons like tackled towns yeah they just started like shoving each other then cat tried to throw a punch and Embiid put him in a headlock and like tackled him and then simmons put him in the headlock Man, and I just remember Embiid walking to the sidelines and Mike Scott fist bumped him. That was just my favorite. That was my favorite part. <laughs> that whole, that Man, you gotta love Mike Scott. I know. It's, I think it's impossible not to like him. Um, Do you want to talk but, about talk about one of the other ones? Yeah. So uh, something I want to talk about is um, 
there was that game that the Rockets protested because they lost by one or two. And earlier in the game, Harden dunked a ball, but he dunked it like so hard that the ball had spin on it and spun like under and like back out on top of the rim and fell off. So the refs thought he missed the dunk and they didn't give them the points. And then they ended up losing by two. So the Rockets went full protest on the game. Um, and we're like trying to get them to replay like the last like half of when the error started, just replay the end of that game, which did not end up happening. But the fact that the refs just found a way to make it so the points did not count was great. <laughs> uh, speaking of Rockets, I don't remember you. You have any of the Wizards Rockets going one fifty nine, one fifty eight. I remember we watched that game together, but I don't that, remember any like specifics from it. Do you? That was the game where. That was the game where um, it was during the World Series, too. Like, like that night, it was during the... I think it was when the Nationals won the World Series. It was 159 to 158. It was the fourth game of the season. And Harden had 59, 9, and 3. Russ had 17, 12, and 10. And Bradley Beal had 46. And, and uh, the, I remember the headline I found when I was trying to remember these moments. I remember this game happened, so I looked it up, and the headline was, the Wizards score 158 points, but also allow 159. <laughs> was that, how many, was that in regulation two, or is that in OT? I, I, I think it, it had to have gone to overtime, right? Uh, I'll, okay. Like, there's I'll, no I'll way, there's no way it didn't go to overtime. I swear, I think it did. Um, Looking right but, now. Uh, it went. Actually, actually, no. No, it, I think it, no, no, it was okay. just regulation. It was yeah, regulation. That, that's that sounds like a Wizards game talk and a about, Rockets game. Talk about no defense. Holy shit! I mean, that's how the Wizards played most of the season. The fourth game of the season. Who else went <laughs> off? Because I'm, I'm pulling up the box score right now. Ish, I, Ish Smith had like twenty some. I think I know Ish <laughs> Smith played well. Um. Hard, yeah, Harden played out of his absolute mind. Eric Gordon had a game like it looked like he was against the Thunder. Um, oh, that was when they stole Isaiah Thomas. He scored 17. Yeah, Capella had 21. Dan Wallhouse had 16. Uh, Rui Hachimura had 23. Bertans had 21 off the bench. Man, I always, I always forget Bertans was on their team because he got injured and like didn't end up coming to the bubble. Yeah. So I, I like partially for it, everything before the bubble seems like it was like years ago. Uh, it definitely does not seem like it was the same. Like it feels like the bubble is like its own season in a sense. Mm-hmm. Also, it says here that Jordan McRae did not play that game because mallet finger. I don't know what did he <laughs> did Jordan McRae mallet his finger. I don't, I no. don't remember. But knowing the outcome of that game, it would not surprise me in the slightest. Um. Oh, no, he su- suffered a mallet fracture. Okay, I thought I was saying he hit his own hand with a mallet. Never mind. Oh, um, my God. But, yeah, that game was... Uh, even though the Wizards lost the game, I'm pretty sure that was the night that the Nationals won the World Series. So I think it was. That's, yeah, that's uh, it still works out for them. This is I want to shout out the Warriors a little bit because there's, like, nothing that, to talk about with them this season because they were absolute garbage because of the injuries and whatnot. But Eric Pascal at the beginning of the season... This dude was like freaking prime Michael Jordan. Like, I swear this dude was averaging like 30 a night. And, and like, he definitely calmed down. And everyone thought he was like the next coming of a superstar. And they're like, the Warriors got another one. But this man, he'll be a good role player for them this season. But I just remember like he had a stretch of like five or six games where this dude was just absolutely carrying them. So shout out to, I know if Jay, if you're listening to this or Josh, shout out Eric Pascal. 
Yeah, I remember the Eric Pascal for Rookie of the Year campaign was super strong at the start because Zion wasn't playing. Um, and Jaw was off to a slow start. Yeah, Jaw was off to a slow start. Everyone was like, oh my god, this Eric Pascal guy, he's going to win Rookie of the Year. And then he did not end up winning it, but yeah, he's still going to be a solid role player, so shout out to him. Uh, but also on that note, uh, I just I didn't write this one down, but Zion's debut was crazy. Uh, I believe it was against the Spurs, but he like... he didn't play much and then he like gets put in the fourth quarter and he's and he hits four he was four for four from three um he's just lighting like he had like a putback dunk i think it was like the mm-hmm. craziest thing because i remember i turned the game off for a little bit because i had some work to do but i was like oh okay like the game's wrapping up zion might come back in i'll turn it back on and i turn it back on just in time to see everything go down and it was like the the craziest thing i've watched um all the hype behind him for the debut yeah and i um and that was like the one time Alvin Gentry actually played uh, Zion in crunch time. I know that's there's a lot of criticism behind he would make so Zion's minutes weren't the most important minutes, and that's why they probably lost a lot of games. But that's probably why he's now coaching in Sacramento as an assistant to Luke Walton and not his own team. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, him. But um, I think you, it looks like you added last second about the one seeds. You want to talk about that before we move on? Yeah, sure. Um, just the fact, like part of. So the bubble already up to this point was crazy. Um, the <clears throat> like, oh, also I completely one thing I completely forgot the bubble was the eight seed plan. We can talk about that when we talk about the next season proposal stuff. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that. Yeah, but the just the bubble had been so crazy, and then the Magic and the Blazers both won Game One against the uh, against the Bucks and the Lakers. Both I think that was the first time both one seeds had lost on the same day in like the long I forget how long exactly it was but it was in a while and just the fact that that happened alongside with all like the ar- already existing bubble chaos was so sick um I know ever people were talking a lot about how like oh like they shouldn't have given the magic home court advantage and now that the magic <laughs> were gonna win the whole thing they're like oh the Lakers are in trouble which did not end up being the case but that was just a really fun day on Twitter uh yeah, it was. I, just seeing like all these photoshops of Giannis on different teams, uh, like Giannis <laughs> in a Magic jersey was cool. So, but even like even though the the Bucks came back and like pretty handily won that series, it was it, every game was like pretty close. Like there weren't too many blowouts. Like the Magic definitely like held their own. Which Vucevic I think no played, played crazy. Yeah, Vucevic he was, was really really good. That was probably the best stretch of basketball he's probably ever played. Shout which which they needed if they wanted any chance. That's what they needed. So they needed him yeah. in playoff game one. DJ Augustine. Game one. DJ Augustine does not lose. Evan Fournier was, if I remember correctly, Evan Fournier was garbage that series because I kept playing this. I kept playing him in FanDuel because there were guys, they were missing guys. So I was like, oh, I'll play Evan Fournier. And then he'd get me like two and a half points. Like he'd score four points and have like five assists and that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so we're going to move on from that and talk about, um, I think this topic, I won't have much. I have like one or two caveats I want to talk about, but I know Connor is going to want to go ham on this. So we'll let him do most of the talking. But, uh, Shout out to Sir Embiid on Twitter. He asked us about the uh, season awards, and I was okay with most of them. Um, I personally thought that Bam deserved MIP over Ingram, but I guess the fact that Bam had more minutes and Ingram played similar minutes but still had a similar stat increase is kind of like what propelled him. So I guess I'll take it. And I, ha- I guess there was some recency bias too because Bam looked better than Ingram in the bubble. But I digress. Other than that, the fact that Joel Embiid did not get first, second, or third team all NBA for center, and the fact that Anthony Davis, who vehemently said he is not a center, 
got, but except when it comes to first team All NBA, then he's a center, which I think is bullshit. But other than that, I don't really have that many complaints. I mean, Connor and I kind of agree on some of the stuff he's definitely gonna go ham on right now. But uh, yeah, take it away, Connor. Uh, yeah. So I thought teams were, I thought things were somewhat decent. I see you with the Embiid thing. Um, most improved player was okay. Uh, I think Bam also could have taken it, but you know, um, we'll let, we'll let that go. It was also very deserved by, uh, um, Ingram. So that's okay. Uh, I thought defensive player of the year was fine. MVP was good. I know people are talking smack about, oh, Giannis ended up getting knocked to the playoffs, but it's a regular season award. So whatever Giannis deserved both those awards. Um, really the one I have beef with is six man of the year. Uh, I'm sure, which I'm sure you guys expected, but uh, Dennis Schroeder should have won Sixth Man of the Year over Montrose Harrell. Uh, I don't care what anyone has to say. There was not a single night uh, where Montrose Harrell was the best player on the court for the Clippers, and without him, the Clippers still would have been a very good team. But without Dennis Schroeder, I don't even know if we would have made the playoffs or we would have been an eight seed at best. Uh, Schroeder was incredible for us, and there were multiple nights where he was our best player on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, his defense is something that really doesn't get talked about a lot. And Montrose Harrell, as I know it's I just said it was a regular season award, but uh, as exhibited on a larger stage in the playoffs, Montrose Harrell gets beat up a lot by some of the guys who, some of those bigger centers. Um, Jokic obviously kills everyone, but especially Harrell, he was exposing him uh, when Zubac was doing a decent job of trying to keep him contained. So uh, Schroeder just, he locked, he locked up other teams' players. He played amazingly. He was our leader at times. He was the he was a member of the best lineup in the NBA for a while. Um, so I don't know. I believe he deserved it. I'm gonna say that I'm still gonna call him my sixth man of the year until the day I die. And I think that he'll if he doesn't end up, if we don't end up trading him, um, which I feel like we will. But that's another thing to talk about with the Thunder episode. Uh, then I think he has a he should be the front runner for it coming into the season if he does stay in that role. Or wherever we send him, he's going to be a really impactful player. And if he's coming off the bench, then I will pick him for my sixth man of the year because he's clearly shown how capable he is. So, Also, real quick, Drew Holiday should have made an all-defensive team. Ooh, that was, that's good. Who, um, What guard would you say you would take that spot, spot Patrick, over? Patrick Beverly shouldn't have made an all-defensive team. Oh, definitely. I would definitely give it to Drew. Because, I mean, if we're talking the best defensive guards, I mean, I think it's, it's Drew, Simmons, Marcus Smart. Yeah, um, you know, it was not it was not deserved. Probably maybe Kyle Lowry throw him in there, but like those guys should mm-hmm. definitely be up there, not Bev. But yeah. anyways, now after talking about awards, we're gonna talk about next. I know this is a season recap, but we're gonna this is kind of tying into like our next season thing. So as of now, it looks like there's that proposal that was brought up about the season starting around Christmas time, which would be, I mean, what's a better Christmas present than NBA basketball coming back? Which would also make for an insane offseason because it doesn't give that much time for teams to make moves. Because let's say what 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 day is the draft, Connor? The draft is coming up in a couple of weeks. It like and then with free agency and stuff, it would give so, players like like there's like with draft and free agency. That's like less than a month of like draft and free agency stuff. Like so, yeah. the whole offseason goes down in less than a month because you can't have like teams making these moves into December because that's when you got to start having you know training camp and preseason and stuff like that. So if the season really is going to start in December, like. There's going to be so many. The saturation of moves and like transactions is going to be absolutely absurd, and that's so exciting. So I hope that's the case because obviously, like you want basketball to start sooner, but like with the further back start date, you would also have like the offseason spread out more. And I personally think it's more fun when it's like 
really crammed together because I think teams panic and there's more chaos and it's better for us who we're just sitting back and watching. Yeah. Um, my only worry about is that some of the like teams that haven't didn't play in the bubble are going to be really ready to go. And those like teams that had long playoff runs, the Lakers, the Heat are going to struggle a little bit to get back into get back after only after playing for such a long period of time. But at the same time, uh, those teams are very capable. What I'm hoping is that if, with starting early, they give they do like I know the NBA mentioned the possibility of maybe like a two week break somewhere in there. Uh, so I think they should give them those opportunities. I think they should allow players to like load manage more. I know that there's fines and stuff like that, but if you're coming off a long season and coming back into it in just two months, I, and especially if there's no fans, like the big thing with load management is that it takes away from fans who pay a lot of money to go see those games. If there are no fans in the crowd, then I feel like load management should be allowed for those teams who have been off for a while to, rest up their players throughout the season so that they can get back to should be that instead of, I know they said the possibility of there being no all-star weekend, which would suck, but if they do decide not to do it, I think they should use it as a break time for them. Uh, The 72 game season would allow more breaks in between games and stuff. So I just hope that they find a way to make sure the players are able to get the rest they need to give us like the best product possible. Um, So. Yeah. And I think, I know we're not going to – the players are going to need the rest, but with the way the league's going to be next season, I don't think the fans are going to want to rest in terms of their viewership because mm-hmm. this season – and I know um, Connor and I both enjoy watching uh, Kenny uh, talk about basketball, and I know he already had a video on this, but uh, the, the the season – this next season is going to be so insane because you have every team that was in it this year. There's not – other than maybe the Thunder and maybe like a lower team like the Pacers or the Magic blowing it up, like – Every team that was in it this year is going to be just as in it next year. And then you're going to throw in the Nets, who are going to add arguably two top 10 players. You're going to have the Warriors, who are getting arguably two top 15 players back with the first with the second overall pick, which they could do so much with. I mean, the Timberwolves won't be as shitty next year, hopefully. I mean, you have all these we, other young we teams. Probably. We have these other young teams. like They can't be this bad forever. I mean, the Suns, we'll see if they're legit. The Hawks, can't, the Hawks, their picks or their players are getting better. Luca's blossoming into a possible top five player in the league. If you have a top five player, I mean, you're going to be good as shit. So, I mean, I, I really think next year, like we thought this year was like crazy in terms of competition and how is anyone's game. I think you take that up two or three steps next year, especially if what they said about keeping the eight seed playing game is true, because there's just going to be constant competition. Because that eight seed playing game made some of these teams who, like the Blazers, who are like, on paper, super talented, but they just had so many injuries, so they were kind of put back in terms of the standings. They just had this chance, and like, like that Nets-Blazers game, that was like, I would argue, one of the top five games of the whole bubble. Would you agree? Yeah, that, I would, I would that definitely say up there, yeah. Because even though the Nets, like, they're pretty solidified in their seven seed, but the Blazers had to win that game to make the playoffs. And the fact that, I don't know, just like that battle between like Dame and Kerry Silver and all those guys, I thought that was freaking awesome. That was one of my favorite games to watch. But um, just I think all those factors, like I said, every team that was in it this year is probably going to be in it next year, especially with teams that fans are coming back. Teams are going to be down in revenue. They're going to want to make money, so they're going to want to win some games. So I think next year, I just think the competition is going to be out of this world. I'm super excited for it. Uh, it yeah. I, I've been I've been saying this for a while. Um, 
I remember, I think I tweeted something about this, like pre, like right as the bubble started, because I was starting to realize I was like, oh my god, because like you said, the Thunder, I think we're gonna blow it up, so we'll probably be back towards the bottom. But like, the Suns aren't the Suns are gonna blow up. The Suns are gonna keep trying to get better. The Grizzlies are gonna jaw. Jaron Jackson are only gonna get better. The Blazers were beat up, so they'll be better than they were this season. Luca and KP are gonna be better. The Jazz will, I'm sure the Jazz will try and make improve. Like Donovan Mitchell had a crazy playoff run. Um, so, and then them also adding Bohan back. Um, the Rockets are just going to run it back, and they were good. The Nuggets are getting better. Clippers are going to be good. Lakers are going to be like the Warriors are obviously going to be back. Like you said, the Timberwolves, they're now adding D'Lo. They're going to add um, a f- potential first overall pick, or they're going to make a move with that pick to improve their team. Uh, the Kings happens to the kings they they're never very very competitive but we'll see uh pelicans maybe a full season of zion ingram stuff like that so all these teams i think the spurs were the only one i didn't mention but they're still always competitive like there's not a single team there other than maybe the thunder that is going to be worse than they were this season i don't think and that's crazy um also you can throw it back to the east um, every team that like the Nets are going to be better. Like I don't know who doesn't make the playoffs or like in the East. Like I feel like the first seven teams are solidified, but that eight seed is going to be like a fight for it. Like the Bulls are going to try and make a push. The Wizards, we'll see how John Wall and Bradley Beal mesh together. The Hawks might be positioned to try and make a jump, depending on how their talent comes together next season. So I think next season has the potential to be one of the, like the best seasons we've ever seen in terms of uh, parity and like competition. Even though we have some of those like super teams, I feel like the talent on all the teams is so high that on any one team might be beat the other. It might not end up with like a crazy surprise champion or anything like that. But just the quality of product next year is going to be insane, and I'm really, really excited to see it. So, yeah, I mean, I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, there's nothing really else to say there. I mean. Everyone's going to be hungry, especially these guys that haven't been playing for months because they, one, got eliminated in August, or two, never even got invited in the first place. So I think there's going to be a lot of people that are just ready to play and ready to compete. So I think this is kind of a good segue into like what we're going to be doing for like our next couple episodes. So uh, basically what I think our plan is, we're going to do either – we'll probably do two teams because that's what you guys seem like you want us to do on Twitter. So what we'll do is we'll probably tweet out a poll and – have you guys pick who we're going to do first. We're just going to we're going to break it down. We'll probably have some like guests on that are fans of these teams so we can get more of a uh, more of a biased perspective while we have more of that, you know, outside perspective. So we'll do that. We'll break down teams. Uh Connor and I will come up with some crazy trades, uh some draft pick stuff. We'll you know, we'll we'll do some research and try to make this interesting for you guys rather than just boring you with like yeah, the Lakers have AD and LeBron. Uh we'll see what they can do. Maybe we'll we'll create some Bradley Beal trade scenario. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get crazy. And uh, try to make it interesting, and also we'll also try to keep it realistic. But uh, anything you want to add to that, Connor? Not really. Just, um, yeah, I'm really excited to do that. I'm excited to go through every team. I've been itching to talk basketball, so I'm glad that we're getting back on this. Um, also, just want to throw in there with the eight. Just real quick, the eight seed plan was uh, was great. I'm glad that they were talking about bringing that back. It was really enjoyable. So uh, I'm excited for that. As long as it's as long as they keep like the four game like limit, they don't have some team like eight games back trying to fight for it. Um, yeah, no, I think the I think the four was a good. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, thought, sure, I'm sure that was to keep the Zion Lebron dream alive. But you know, <laughs> I yeah. think they'll keep it with because of all the positive reviews about it. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for. 
the po- future podcast episodes. I'm excited that the league might be back in a couple months. I'm not excited that Chris Paul is going to be traded in the next couple months. Uh, but yeah, that's probably oh, about it. Right. We're going to call it now. Where's Chris Paul going? What are you getting in return? Uh, man, we'll, do, I, we'll do it on this episode. You can do it. Talk about it some more on the Thunder episode, but we're going to just man, in case I it happens know. before we get to it. I really don't know at this point because the Sixers was where I was leaning, but I, he doesn't have a great relationship with Doc, or at least he didn't when he left the Clippers. He doesn't have a great relationship with Doc Rivers. So I don't know. I'm, I feel like it's. I feel like the Bucks want to keep Giannis. I feel like it. It will probably end up being like the Bucks or something like that. I think it'll end up being the Bucks or the Sixers. Um, I don't. There aren't many other teams. The late there's people talking about the Lakers getting him. They don't have anything to trade for him. I think the Clippers are sick of giving us their draft picks, so it won't be them. So <laughs> I think that's. I think those are like the main people. The only like outside contender I could see is like the Jazz trying to make a move like they give us Conley and like. Sense so like a pick or like something like that to try and get back, like get a new point guard for Rudy Gobert and Diamond Mitchell. But I don't want to see Chris Paul in the Jazz, so um, I'll I'll just throw Bucks out there as my prediction. So I'm gonna do a hot take. I'm gonna say he does not get traded. That's my hot take. Really? I I don't know, man. I think it's gonna happen. I don't it's, see it's a, a hot take. It's a hot take. With the way Billy Donovan left, that happens. I mean, I'd love to see him back, but. But I'm not saying because they don't want to trade him. I think if the package isn't right, they're not gonna get send him away for nothing. But I do agree his value his value is not gonna be higher than it is now. So if yeah. they're gonna deal him, you have to do it now. I completely agree with that. But uh, all right. So I think that's about wraps it up. We want to keep this about 45 minutes to an hour. You didn't want to keep it too long. But uh, any last words, Connor, before we shut things down for the night? Uh, no. Um, shout out Lou Dort. Game seven, Lou Dort. Uh, wearing my Lou Dort jersey right now. So shout out Lou Dort. Uh, I'll shout out Mike Scott because uh, his days in Philly might be numbered based on uh, trade rumors and stuff because of like how money works and we don't have any money to give. So if we, we acquire an impact player, odds are my boy Mike is gone. So shout him out while I can. Oh, also, Thunder should hire Becky Hammond or hire a coach at all. Just give me someone, please. Yeah, aren't you guys the only team in the league without a coach? You guys in the Rockets? Us in the Rockets, man. Mike D'Antoni is going to OKC. <laughs> We're reuniting with Chris Paul. Oh, Lord, I don't think he wants that. Um, <laughs> one thing that is interesting with talking about the... Sorry, I don't want to I don't want to make this a Thunder no, episode now. But um, the fact that the salary cap is going to decline a decent amount, um, I, I would say that, if anything, that makes it more likely we might keep Chris Paul in that teams don't might not want to take on that extra contract. Um, yeah. And I could also see Gallo being signed, more likely a sign-and-trade now. So yeah. uh, ho- hopefully we can keep getting assets. Anyways, uh, I just want to throw that out there. Shout-out Lou Dort. Shout out SGA, my boy. And yeah, before yeah. before Connor goes on a thunder rampage, I'm gonna end the episode. So yeah, there you th- go. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, uh, comment, s- spam the comments with Lou Dort. If you made it this far, spam us with Lou Dort so we hey, know who the Lou real Dort. ones are. But uh, hope you guys have a good day, good night, good afternoon, wherever the fuck you are, and whatever time you're listening. And real ones, say it back. Yeah, see you guys.